Good morning, everyone. Good afternoon, good day, wherever you're watching around the world. We're so thankful that you are here uh, celebrating and spending this time with us today as we kick off a brand new series that'll kind of carry over from last year's. It'll make sense here in a minute. But we just sang about it. Well, we just heard a worship team sing, and we worshiped, right, about the firm foundation that is Christ Jesus. And that's what we're going to be walking through over these next few weeks. Now, last week, we wrapped up our Esther series. We kind of branded that as a women's series, but realistically, it was a series for all of us. The same is going to be said here. It's called a firm foundation. We would probably call this like a men's series, but realistically, it's more than a men's series. It's something for all of us, because what we're going to learn about is how we can build our life on Christ as our firm foundation. So today, what we're going to learn through is holding up, holding up. How many of us know this phrase? Like many times we hear this, right? How you holding up? How you holding up, right? All right, how you doing? How are things going? Speaking of which, we didn't get to pray this morning. I'm publicly saying that. We're going to pray after the service. Just a reminder, I'm sorry about that. I didn't get to pray with everyone. We like to pray together when it comes to this holding up. But this idea of holding up is something that we have. Like if you were to ask me how I'm holding up, I would say I'm holding up stock in uh, toilet paper products. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm, I'm keeping that going. Or maybe you're holding up stock in uh, like, I don't know, uh, gasoline, all of us, right? Like we're keeping the gas stocks up right now. Like how are you holding up? How are you holding up? So that's what we're going to be diving through today. But before we get to what we're going to be talking about, we're going to be in Exodus 17. More on that here in just a moment. But before we get there, I want us to have a mind, a, a, a backdrop, a, a, a mind frame, a, a mindset, a frame of reference for what we're talking through. How many of us have ever seen an elephant be trained? Why are you pointing at me? I'm not an elephant. But an elephant being trained. So I don't know if you know this, but this is what this is what the Israelites, the Hebrews, are feeling like here. So if you've ever seen an elephant being trained, what they do is they have an anchor item. Usually it's like a heavy rock. And they chain one of the, the elephant's legs to it. Okay? Sounds cruel, I know, but you put your dogs on leashes, don't lie. So, uh, an elephant. And what ends up happening is eventually the elephant fights it at first, but eventually it surrenders, so much so that the trainer, when it unhooks the chain from the elephant, it'll stay really close to that acorn point until it is allowed to get out of it. So, in other words, the, the, the elephant forgets about freedom because it cares more about being anchored to the chain. The frame of reference here is the Hebrews had just been set free from a, the chains of Egyptian slavery. They're going to Moses here, and they would rather be slaves in Egypt than walking freely in God's promise. We're like the elephant. See, the elephant has a great mind. The elephant is one of the smartest animals. You always hear that. One of the smartest animals you know. They have great memory. So even though they have forgotten what it meant to be free, they're easily trainable because they want to stay chained and anchored to something that they shouldn't be. So they care more about being chained to that than walking in freedom. So that's the backdrop of what we have for the Hebrews right now as we're in Exodus 17 today. Exodus 17, because here's the thing. Go ahead and get your Bible to Exodus 17. If you don't know where that is, it's the second book of the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we have plenty. We would love to give you free for the asking. I say it all the week because I say it all the time. Zach, our production team, they do awesome. They make sure that all of uh, the scripture is on the screen wherever you're watching around the world. But as Matt mentioned earlier, you can go to our Vine, TV slash app. You can download our apps or Bible. There's notes in there, all kinds of good stuff where you can follow along with us, send in your prayer request, and we will pray over them. So 
Basically, what we have here is you get to Exodus 17. The reason I'm giving you the example of the elephant is this. Isn't that true for all of us in the world we live in today? Kind of like that elephant. We're chained to something in our past, or maybe we've forgotten what it means to be free. As a matter of fact, we don't know the definition of things anymore. I mean, we have people who can't say what a woman is, who can't say what a man is. We have Christians who can't say who Jesus is. Like, they're afraid that, that if they profess the gospel that, that they're going to be canceled or they're going to do this. And, and, and I don't know about you, but cancel me all day long because Jesus canceled my dead on the cross. So I'm fine with that. You can cancel me in this world, so I don't really care. So wherever you are right now, that's where we are. So in other words, when I say we're branding this a, man, a men series, a firm foundation, we think of men as builders. Like, uh, what does it even mean to be a man anymore? Are you supposed to be gentle? Are you supposed to be humble? Are you supposed to be loud? Are you supposed to be brash? Are you supposed to be the best athlete, the worst athlete, the best game? Or like, what in the world do you do? And that translates to us in Christianity too. This is the dilemma that Moses has as a leader of the Hebrews. He's saying, what do I do? Like, what can I, like, they want to go back to chains, God. Like, what do I do with your people? These are your people. Little does he forget that he is God's people too. So that is where we are when we're talking about holding up. So if you've got your Bible, we're going to learn about three things today about what God gives us with a firm foundation through this story in Exodus 17. And I promised you the other week we were going to get here. So here we go. Exodus 17, verse 4 through 7 says this. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I going to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. Papa was a rolling stone. Anyway, whatever it is, y'all can stone me, I don't care. That is, he's saying, God, your people hate me so much that they want to stone me. They want to go back to change. They would rather kill me and go back over the Red Sea on dry land to go back into Egypt. Think about that. They have been set free from chains. God, God has gone and he's, he's had the plagues. They've been spared. They're, oh, they, they get set free. They actually get plunder when they go. All of the Egyptian enemies were killed in the Red Sea. They're going upon the promised land and the people are mad and say, Moses, it's your fault we're here. Stone him. I'm so glad that you aren't stoning me today. Uh, thank the Lord for that. That's where he is. The Lord answers Moses, go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Now, we just talked about Esther where God's name isn't mentioned, and they were probably asking the same questions. We think, well, that's just one book in the Bible. Maybe that's the season you're in right now. You wonder if God is there with you. He is. The Israelites are there. They're saying, is God with us? They want to test God. They want to quarrel with God. But pay attention here to this stone. We're going to talk about a stone a little bit through. The first time we see this stone pop up is the people want to kill Moses with it. And so when people are coming against you and wanting to stone you, wanting to cancel you, wanting to go against you, the first thing Moses did is he goes to the rock. Now, this is the same rock that Jesus talks about. This is the living water in John 4 where the Samaritan woman's there and Jesus says, I have living water. I have water that will never run dry. That's what you're coming to this well for. This is what you're looking for. It's a reference to this. So if you ever don't think Jesus is in the Old Testament, he's in the Old Testament. This is it right here. He's the rock that is being struck for us to give us living water. 
So there's a stone that people are trying to use to kill Moses, and then the rock shows up. And I don't know about you, but I don't want my house built on a little stone. I want it built on a rock. So it is built on the rock. So uh, not Iraq. I know I have that. A rock. I'm going to say that really clearly so that way we understand. A rock. R-O-C. A rock. So what happens here? Verse 8 and 9. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men, go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with a staff of God in my hand. So this is the same staff he has struck the rock with, the same staff that he is going to lead Israel out into a battle. Now, this should sound familiar. We talked about this a few weeks ago if you've been keeping up with us through Esther. Haman is the descendant of the Amalekites. He was a, a, an Agite or Agagite, whatever it was we, when we went back there in Esther. So the Israelites have been fighting, as we will see when this ends up in our scripture today, with the Amalekites all the way through when the book of Esther comes on the scene. So the first thing we can see that plays out here is when we are built on a firm foundation with Christ, the first thing that God gives us is someone to fight for. Someone to fight for. Now, you know that. If you're a parent or, or if, if you have kids, you know that you would fight for them. You would, you would die for them. You would do both. You would live to protect them, and you would die to protect them. And that's what God is giving Moses here. They're about to go in the promised land. They've crossed over on dry land in the Red Sea. They're ready to stone Moses. They finally get water. They're happy. I always wondered if that water might have been a little wine just to mellow the people out is what God, Jesus did. He just went ahead and cooled them down a little bit. And then they go, and they see these Amalekites are going and killing their women and children. They're going on the back part of the line, not attacking the front part of the defenses, but the back part, and picking off the Israelites. And all of a sudden, this battle is about to ensue for the people to go into God's promise. So right now, maybe you're asking, how in the world, if I'm built on Christ, do I fight for those I love? Well, realistically, physically is so important, right? That's an easy answer. Just show up and be present. Just show up and be present. Sometimes the best thing you can do for your kids, sometimes the best thing you can do for your spouse is to just show up. No, you don't have the answers. No, no, you don't have all the solutions and understand that, but just being there can make all the difference. So many times if you're in a season of loss or a season of grief, just showing up matters. If you're in a, having a hard time, listen, um, new mothers can say this. I, I haven't experienced it, but I will tell you, sometimes they just need somebody to show up, hold the baby, so that they can gather themselves for two seconds without this thing. And as they become toddlers, sometimes parents just need you to show up to keep the bathroom clear so they can have 30 minutes like to themselves, right? Like So they don't see fingers under the door or banging on the door or, or beating. See, they're ready. The mothers are ready. You just need to show up. So physically, look what Moses is doing. He is showing up with the people. Even though they wanted to kill him, even though the Israelites are in their teenage years, they wanted to kill the, Moses, he still showed up. So much so, he understood the reason that he needed to show up is eventually he wouldn't be there. When he showed up, he made sure Joshua could carry the torch. And so I would say physically, if you are built on the firm foundation of Christ, I will tell you this, uh, all the way through when it comes to showing up. One thing I will tell you, uh, my, my brother-in-law, sister, Tim, Olivia here, uh, my mother, I can tell you one thing. She always showed up when it came to a game. Job or not, it didn't matter. Fire me. I was going to be there. She was going to be there. 
No matter what, she was going to be there. It didn't matter what I was doing. If I literally was picking my nose in the field, she would show up. If I was picking flowers in the outfield at a Little League game, she was going to be there. She may not have been able to make all the practices, uh, but that was a, she usually dropped me off. Uh, uh, my granddad would sometimes do that, but let me tell you why that's important in your life. Parents, I'm just, just being honest. One day you're not going to be here. And they're going to remember that. And all you got to do is show up. Even when it's frustrating. Even when the dance recital isn't the dance recital. Like, it's like, what are they doing? They didn't even do anything. They jumped. They wore a tutu. They're so cute. Let's get the flowers in the picture. Even if they play an instrument and it is awful, just show up. Because they'll carry that with them. That's built on the firm foundation of Christ. See, the reason that matters is Jesus physically came and showed up. He could have done all of this without even coming to earth for us. He could, have, he could have worked it all out. He could have made it all happen. Him and God the Father could have worked a deal out together. And made it happen. But instead, he showed up in spite of us. He showed up. So today, if that's where you are physically, maybe it just means showing up, changing the tone, walking in forgiveness, even if they keep hurting you, praying for them, praying over them, showing up physically. But see, when we fight for someone, it's not just physically we fight for them. We fight for them spiritually. We fight for them spiritually. Moses goes to God, and we're going to see his hands are raised up here. We can look at that as a hands raised up in worship, but what do we say whenever we pray for someone? We do what? We lift them up. So Moses is saying, hey, I'm an old dude. I'm, 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 I'm rocking hundreds at this age. Like, I've already come out. I've done been in the desert. I've done everything that I could do. I can't fight the battle, Joshua, but you can fight the battle, but I'm not just going to sit back and not let anything happen. I'm going to keep lifting you up in prayer. Sometimes maybe the person you're struggling with or the thing that you're dealing with may not physically allow you to be there, but it's not, it shouldn't stop you from spiritually being in the conversation and being in the room. Joshua chooses men to fight. He invites and invests. He doesn't quit. He understands that one day Moses isn't going to be there, but also one day Joshua's not going to be there. So he invites and invests. He goes and finds men to fight whenever they go out. So that church is what we get to do. We get to fight. We get to invite. We get to invest. Because here's the thing. One day on this earth, our time will expire. And that's okay. This thing's going to live on beyond us. Because you know what? It was here before us, and it'll keep going after. So that's what we have to work through. So let's continue on in this story and see what ends up happening. Uh, verse 10 through 13. Let's learn about the second thing. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. So in other words, as long as he was lifting them up, the Israelites won. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Talk about pressure. I don't know about you parents, but you would do that. If you, you'd have to find a way. If, you want your, if your kid could only win, only when you lifted them up, you'd find a way to have your... You would get surgery to keep your arms up like this the whole time. Like you would knock bones out of joints. Like that's what it is. So imagine the pressure that Moses is under as well. Like the entire nation, like all of a sudden it's like, they're winning. Whew, I'm tired. They're losing. What? Oh my gosh. What am I? I didn't do. I, is this arm day? I don't know what to do. Like as long as he lifts them up physically and spiritually, as long as he lifts them up, they're winning. Look at the stones show up again in this story. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone, they put it under him, and he sat on it. 
Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. Sunset, excuse me. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with a sword. So while his hands were up, he was lifting them up. They were winning. But when his hands were down, they were losing. So he sits upon a rock, a stone. Remember the stone that might have been the one that we were going to kill him with. That was a big, heavy stone. He sits on it. Keeps his hand, Aaron and her holds his hands up, and they win. Joshua wins. So what if, before we go on, let me ask you this. It's easy for us to give up on those we love when it don't turn out the way we wanted or imagined, right? Or the way we dreamed. It's easy for us to stop praying for the prodigal to come home. It's easy for us to stop praying that that person overcomes an addiction. It's easy for us to stop praying that, that they get good grades in school or they behave. It's easy for us to stop doing that. But what if we went to prayer the way Moses did here, that it was so important? It wasn't a last line of defense. It was, you know what, God, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit praying on that person. I'm not going to give up praying for them. I know that you have a plan, that you're working it out, but I am not going to quit lifting them up. I refuse to. I will not put that down. I will not lay my hands down on it. I will not just quit and forget. I will literally keep lifting them up because when we do that all of a sudden we'll see not only god has god given us when we're built on a firm foundation of christ someone to fight for he's given us a battle to win he gives us a battle to win what am i saying about that and where am i coming from well so many times uh we treat christianity like it's a pray like following jesus as a playground don't we oh yes saved let's go down the slide Ooh. it's a battlefield Jesus said he didn't, come, he, he didn't come for our comfort. He came to set us free from the chains of sin. He came to set us free from ourself. He came to allow us to be living life, which means we're going to be in a battle. So, so many times we think our battle is the person that we are at odds with. But it's actually Satan. It's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual, if somebody's dealing with this addiction, it's a spiritual battle. Why is it a spiritual battle? They place that addiction over God itself, himself, and they're struggling with that. So for us, we've got we to be reminded that this is a battle that we're in. It's a battle we're in. So all of a sudden, look. Now, the thing is, you may say, I'm not good at fighting. I don't know all the jujitsu moves. Great. Moses didn't either. He said, the best thing I can do in this battle is pray. Joshua said, hey, Moses, you keep praying. I got the sword. I'm going to go out and I'm going to go lead the people and I'm just going to start like slashing, slaying 300 brave heart, like all the best gladiator. He's ready to go. He's just out. I don't know why they haven't made a movie of Joshua. I'm telling you, whoever you are, if you're smart and you're a Christian and you're great at arts, make a movie about Joshua and it'll change the world. I'm telling you right now, because this every guy move, every guy would want to see it. Look at this. When he goes to prom, like Jericho walls fall down, like all kinds of stuff, just blood, guts, and gore. Great stuff. So he goes out there to do that. So Moses prays. Joshua's out front leading the people into battle. But see, Aaron and Hur are behind the scenes holding up Moses. So think of it this way. As Moses lifts up all of the Hebrews, he also had people lifting him up. And church, that's what we do. That's why we pray together. We pray for and with each other. They, we lift each other up. See, the battle that you're in right now, hey, maybe, maybe it is addiction. Maybe it's relationship. Maybe it's a crazy relationship battle. Maybe you're in a financial battle. Inflation's crazy. You're trying to figure out how in the world 
$50 gas or whatever it's going to be. <laughs> Maybe your battle is depression, anxiety. Maybe your battle is physically. You're just trying to figure out what in the world's going on. Maybe your battle is you've just forgotten the hope you have in Jesus. It just doesn't. You ask like the Israelites, is the Lord among me right now? Like, have you forgot me? And I just want to tell you, he hasn't. The cross reminds us that he hasn't. So the question is, if you know that there's a battle in place, do you believe that through Christ you were created to win the battle because he's won the war? Like, do you realize that battles aren't the war? See, we think that the season that we're in and the moment we're in is the, is, is the war, right? Like, we think this is it. Like, this is it. Like, oh, this is it. Like, I'm coming home to you. Like, I used to love that. But anyway, like that, like, it's time. Like, oh, Elizabeth, I'm coming home to you. Like, sit, San, yeah, whatever, Sanford and Son. If I play that, you know, that's it. We think that's it, right? But it's just a battle. Like, how great would it be knowing you've already won when you go? Like, if I played a football game and I knew we had already won, holy cannoli, how much more free would it be? Yeah, throw the flag, ref, I don't care. Yeah, do this. Yeah, we've already won. It's already won. Like, that only happens, though, if we're praying. We're lifting each other up, and we're being lifted up because we're in tune with the Holy Spirit. Like, if we're not doing that, we're missing out. Like, God has given us someone to fight for. He's given us a battle. So what is your battle? Have you laid your battle down to God? Do you, did you see Joshua? See, it would have been easy. Like, Joshua, I love Joshua. It would have been easy for me to be like, yeah, let's go get blood, guts, and gore. But Moses said, hey, 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 it's not just that. I got to pray for you. I need to pray over you. God paid the importance on that so much that with his hands being up, they won. Touchdown. Like, like the hands being up, they won. When it was down, they lost. We've got to have that. We've got to understand that we've got a battle to win. So wherever you are right now, will you declare in Christ that you know that it's just a battle and that the victory is his and that he is working it out for his glory and for our good if we just trust it? I can tell you time and time again in my life where it's, been, it's easy for me to look back and say, oh man, God was so faithful there. Sometimes it's easy to look forward and say, hey, there's going to be some healing happening. I don't know how, but it's going to happen. But in the midst of it, it's just kind of like, here we go again. Are we going to keep battling this again, Lord? But what if we went in, prayed up, prayed over, understanding that he's already won it? So much so, like, even if this battle you're in kills you, Jesus has already defeated death. So what are we... What are we like fighting him for and wondering if he's here or not? The story goes on, verse 14 through 16, as we wrap up Exodus 17. It says, Did the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it. See, Joshua, he, teenagers, if you got them, you know. Joshua hears it. Because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar. Now, an altar back then was a stone. He built up a stone altar, a reminder, a memorial stone. A, he set up an altar because a sacrifice would be on that altar. He called it, the Lord is my banner. He said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war with the Malachites from generation to generation. So if you ever wonder if God's word is true and anyone says, is this word of God true? Take them to Exodus 17 and bring them to the book of Esther and say, it says God's word right here. God says he will be at war with the Amalekites from generation to generation. And sure enough, from generation to generation, the Amalekites were at 
at war with Israel. You can see it when King Saul is king before King David. He goes, he has a problem. He doesn't destroy the Amalekites. So they keep just rising up. It's like a festering blister. They keep fighting, fighting, fighting with the Israelites. But God never neglects the Israelites or refuses to deliver them, just like he never neglects us if we will be at one with him, if we have surrendered our life to Christ, confessed it and repented of our sins. So look at this. This is really crazy. At first, a stone showed up to kill someone. A rock was tapped. Water came out. The next thing that happens, before we learn the third thing today, the next thing that happens with a stone is all of a sudden Moses sits upon it, and then the third thing that happens with a stone is an altar is built where worship can happen. So this thing that was meant to kill us, was meant to kill Moses, is the very thing God used to bring deliverance to all of the Israelites. Think about that. This stone, this stone. It's an altar. It's a reminder. It's a worship. So this, this says, the Lord is my banner. If you read this, it's Yahweh Nasi, which means the Lord lifts up or the Lord holds me up or marked by God. That is what this means. So after God has given us someone to fight for, he's given us a battle to win, but he's also given us a kingdom to advance, a kingdom to advance. So if we're built on the firm foundation of Christ, we have a kingdom to advance. We're part of a kingdom being advanced. That's exactly what the Israelites were doing in this battle as they were going deeper in the promised land. And the crazy part is after they defeat the Amalekites, they go out, they, sit, they get the 10 commandments in Exodus 20, uh, Mount Horeb, the same place where Moses is, where he strikes the rock, that's Mount Sinai. They kind of go back and forth together. Uh, God, three chapters later, gives the 10 commandments they get the Ten Commandments, they go in, they spend, send Joshua out and spies out, and they say, we are like grasshoppers among the people. It would be like me versus a, uh, an NFL player or a, an NBA player, probably. They're like grasshoppers. They're small. We can't defeat them, and they end up wandering. They forget God's faithfulness, and an entire generation misses out on God's promise. See, what if we understood that we get to be made for a time such as this so an entire generation don't miss out on God's promise. Because we're willing to step up, go into the battle, realize what we're fighting for and that the battle is won because we are part of a kingdom that is advancing. When Jesus teaches us to pray, when he teaches us to pray, in Matthew 6, what does he, he, he we, we go to the Lord. He teaches us to pray in Matthew 6, um, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? I know I went in KJV, sorry everyone. But I went in KJV, right? If you go to later into Matthew 6, he says that we're supposed to seek something first. It's like verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, the kingdom that is being advanced. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. So we've got to seek that kingdom first. So let me say this when it comes to this. Maybe you're trying to have some victory today. I want you to look at Jesus. This is such a picture of Jesus for us because, see, he came to advance his kingdom by winning the war, a battle that we could never win for us because he said we are worth fighting for. We are the one that he said is worth fighting for. So much so that he lived, died, and rose again to set us free. But see, so many times we only celebrate. I used to sing back in the day, back uh, in the student voice, you know, those days. Back, you know, when kids are younger, we're... When boys can sing, you know, high and all that crazy stuff. Victory in Jesus, that was it. Victory in Jesus, my Savior. You know that one. Don't lie, it's a good one. You can go there. That's my southern draw. That's about as good as it sounds. That's all you're going to get from me. See, we talk about the victory of the grave. The empty tomb. 
And yes, we celebrate that victory of the empty tomb. Yes, we celebrate the victory of the cross. But Jesus walked in victory from the day he walked this earth, from the foundations of the earth. From Genesis 1, he walked in victory. Let's talk about how he physically did. He walked in victory all the way through when all of a sudden Satan tempted him for 40 days and 40 nights. He walked in victory, didn't he? He walked in victory when he goes up into the church. He goes up into the temple and says, hey, this is not a den of thieves. Stop being money changers. Stop being wolves in sheep's clothing. He flipped tables. He was walking in victory. When the Pharisees and the Sadducees said, you can't heal people on the Sabbath. Who do you think you are? He walked in victory because he kept doing it. When he was going to get ready at the Last Supper and says, one of you will be betraying me. He walked in victory. When he goes to the garden in John 17 and he prays for us, he walks in victory. He walked in victory when Peter ran away and betrayed him. When the rest of the disciples are scattered, he walks in victory. He walked in victory as he went to the cross and he said, into your hands, Father, I commit my spirit. He walked in victory. And I don't know about you, but if there's somebody I want to emulate, if there's somebody I want to be like, it's the one who's victorious. Wouldn't you? People pay good money to go hear people talk about how you can self-motivate yourself because the battle within you can win. And I want to tell you, forget the battle within. He's won the war. Rest in him and sit just like Moses did. That's the hardest thing for me to do because I love Joshua. Man, like, I can't, I couldn't do anything with a butter knife. But I think, man, I, you know, I think I could do that. I'd be the first one to go. I ain't gonna lie to you. It'd be done. There ain't no, I'd be playing with Moses' staff. He's like, dude, I need that to pray. Yeah, you know, I'd be acting like he's a Jedi Knight or something. It's awful. Couldn't do it if I tried. Yet at the same time, I see all of these things working together. And church, that's what we are, working together. Some of us, some of us, we, we aren't going to go on the front lines to battle. It's just, that was a different season and a different time. But we'll fight the battle with our hands lifted high, lifting each other's up. Some of us say, hey, I know you're praying for these, you're praying for us, so I want to lift you up. I want to be with you. I, I, I want to lift you up as you lift others up like Aaron and her did. See, when we do that, all of a sudden, we can be, we can be like Jesus. We can walk in victory. And you know, I'm not a prosperity gospel guy, so I don't go around talking about, hey, when I say walk in victory, that doesn't mean you pray real hard in the parking lot at the gas station for God to give you the lottery numbers. That's, that's, that's not it. Because Jesus didn't come for our comfort. He came to advance his kingdom, which means we're going to go through battles. We're going to go through things. But when we're built on him, we'll get to experience victory. But I say this every week because you know I'm hard-headed. Hard, hard-headed. So let me ask you something. We're, we're going we're to connect the dots, hopefully, here in a second. If you're listening right now, you're going to be mad at me. And I'm going to say, you should be watching. Come hang out with us because we got a seat for you. Hey, there we go. All right, so let me ask you something about this really quick. <clears throat> can we all agree this is a chair? Yes. Can we agree that you can sit in this chair? Right? Like, it, it seems like a chair. If it fell, y'all would laugh if I did. That'd be fine. It, it fell, right? Well, let me ask you a question. Is this chair holding you up that I'm touching right now? The answer is no. See... I can know that Jesus existed. I can even know that he is the savior of the world. But if I don't rest in him to hold me up and have faith in him, all I'm doing is playing musical chairs. That's what this is all about. That's what having a firm foundation 
built upon him is, is because what we'll end up doing is we will spend our whole life trying to find the chair of success, the chair of career, the chair of house, the chair of car, the chair of 2.5 children. I don't know how you get a half one, but that's the statistic, and a dog and a cat, and we will chase that chair and think that it will hold us up and it never will. All of us, all of us, on this side of eternity or the next, have this one thing in common. Those who are in Christ Jesus realize that those chairs can never hold us. Only he could sustain and hold and lift us up. So we have rested our life in him. We have rested our salvation, rested our deliverance in him because he is who he says he is. But many times, for us who are Christians, we'll stop at that. And after we've said, I rest and know that you have won the war, guilty here, I get back up. And I don't like sitting back down in that chair because I try to earn it. I turn this chair, you know, I go straight up into WCW mode, like, you know, I'm ready to go fight. Like, I don't want to, and God's saying, just, just rest in it, son. I've got it. Doesn't mean I don't work. Don't mean I don't sweat. He's just saying, I've got, son, I'm holding you. I'm, just, just rest. Just keep lifting, just keep lifting your arm. Keep, keep lifting those, that are, just keep lifting them up, son. Just keep lifting them up. Just keep lifting them up. And so for you today, maybe that's where you are in your battle. You've forgotten who's holding you up. You think you've got to earn it. You think you've got to work for it, and you don't. you just got to rest in it. For others of us, maybe you're listening or watching online, you're still chasing those chairs that could never hold you, never sustain you, could never give you life or deliverance. You think the next relationship will save you. You think the next job will save you. The next car will save you. The next gas that goes cheaper. You think $4 gas will save you. It won't. It can't. It cannot sustain you. The things of the world will pass away. And all of us, as I said, on this side of eternity or the next, will realize there was only one chair we were created to sit in. And it's only built on Christ Jesus. Those of us who will be with him for eternity rested in him now. The others wasted their life chasing something that can never hold or support them. Paul reminds us of this when it comes to that victory that we celebrate in 1 Corinthians 15, it says this as he is, he is telling the Corinthian church and reminding them where they are about this. Verse 55 through 58 says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor for the Lord is not in vain. Church, if you are in Christ Jesus, there is never a labor in vain. Every carpet we roll up, every chair we put out, every time we give of our time, our talent, our treasure, it is not in vain. Every time we pray for that person when the Spirit prompts, it's not in vain. But for those who are, in not Christ, who are not in Christ Jesus, maybe this moment right now you are realizing I've been trying to sit in chairs that can never sustain me and I wonder why I keep falling and nothing lifts me up. And I want to tell you Jesus is the answer because here's the thing. All of us are born into sin. 
That's the battle Jesus fought for us. And that sin separates us from God, and it puts us at literally at enmity. It puts us in a gap that we can never fill with very creator God, the, the one that we are created to worship, that is worthy of the worship, that we're supposed to be in the presence in. See, God didn't just say, hey, I'm going to leave you away from me. He wanted to be, he wanted to show up. He wanted to be there with us. He wanted to be in relationship with us. So Jesus comes, lives the perfect sinless life we couldn't live, making us righteous. See, the wages of that sin is death. There is no other, there is no other way. And the only way to get in front of God is to be without sin, which is to be righteous. And to do that, something has to die. So Jesus not only lives the perfect sinless life we couldn't live, he dies on the cross paying the penalty for that sin. And he doesn't stop there. He goes. He defeats death hell and the grave on the third day leaving an empty tomb so that we could have life now we could live now we could experience the victory of the war now we don't have to wait until we get to heaven and so today if that's you we're about to say a prayer it's not the prayer that saves you it's literally the faith the faith to sit in the chair and rest knowing that christ and christ alone is the only thing that can lift you up sustain you can hold you so we're going to say this prayer as a family, and you're going to hear folks repeat it, and all that we're doing is we are praying in faith that Jesus is who he says he is. So would you please repeat this prayer after me? Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe you came, lived the perfect sinless life I couldn't live, died the death I deserve, paying the penalty for my sins on the cross, but love me enough not to stay dead, but rose again on the third day so that I may have life. Come take over my life, Lord. Teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life the best way I know how. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in the house or you're watching online, if you can say for the first time, You've sat in the chair. You've trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to ask you to boldly raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. If that's you, would you raise your hand? If you're online, you may see a hand that's raised. If you're listening throughout the week, you can reach out to us through our app or at prayer at divine.tv or 864-580-6698. We would love to celebrate this decision with you because here's the thing. It's not the finish line. This is a starting block. So for the rest of us, you can look up for you. If you did receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, we want to celebrate with you. We want to get you into a local church body so that you aren't out here fighting the war alone, so that you have people who are lifting you up as you go through the battles that this life throws at you. And for the rest of us, I just we're about to have this song of worship. I just want to say, right now you may be like me, hard-headed. <laughs> uh, and you've rested in Jesus before, but you're out here fighting trying to fight your own battles. You're out here trying to figure it all out on your own. And this moment, God, the Holy, and, and the Holy Spirit through, God through the Holy Spirit is reminding you to rest in him. Because here's the thing, when we run to him, that's when we experience what we were looking for. That's when we experience that deliverance. That's when we experience that hope, that peace, that rest that we were longing for. And so as we worship, would you just be reminded of that Will we just know that the Lord is our banner? Would we be excited to know that we are marked by him and will we rest in him? So would you stand and sing?
We are so thankful. It's an honor and privilege that we got to spend this time with you today. Uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. We have all kinds of goodies. There might be a chair or four thrown, but no matter what, Jesus is alive and we're going to celebrate that. And we're so thankful that we get to walk in the victory that he came to give us. Have an awesome week and always remember the best is still yet to come.